Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. This is the Brave Podcast, awakening dreams, purpose, and songs. Our mission is to empower Christian songwriters to craft heartfelt songs of worship. All right, everyone. Welcome in to, they don't see you yet, girls. Welcome in to our webinar, Blessed Be Your Name, Song Mapping. This has been super fun. Let's welcome in our uh, two ladies. We thought it was just going to be Emily, but we're getting two for the price of one. Let's welcome them in. It is. I'm coming in. Here they are. Coming in hot. We got Emily Weeks. And Chrissy Nordoff in the studio. You like that? Yeah. Coming in hot. They're coming in hot. I'm like a DJ over here this morning. What's the origin of the. I am a DJ. What's. I'm mixing. I'm mixing. Wow. What's the origin of this song, real quick, so we can let people know? Let's talk about that. (laughs) Well, we were doing a, a live course at a church here locally last week Uh and it was emily's turn to come up and speak share her part of what she was going to teach on that day Uh instead of regularly walking in down the aisle like most people would do she did something different oh i just i was like okay pull up blessed be your name to play for the group or just pull up coming in hot (laughs) (laughs) and dance down the aisle So you chose option B. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just have to go with option B, you know, (laughs) no one ever met her. So this was like a room full of people that never met. I was just as surprised as everyone else that I was doing it. Oh my gosh. It was, was, it's classic. Just waiting to see what was going to happen next. It was the best. It was classic. It was Um, hilarious. So, all right. Well, uh, should we tell people about um, people know who you are? You're obviously the writer of writing worship two-time double award winning right songwriter grammy nominated uh songwriter and uh you've really built this over the last 10 years from mm-hmm. starting with brave and now uh writing worship is the resources side of things yes. but we have uh one of our uh mentors here today emily weeks hey. there she yes. is she's coming in hot again no we don't have yeah, Hey, every time I talk, <laughs> do it. <laughs> so, uh, Emily, you've you've in the last three or four years, God's done some amazing things with your songwriting. Uh, talk about that real quick about the sure. the word that you got and what's happened in the last three or four years with your songwriting. I think about let's see, three or four years ago, it was at a girls' write out. That was what Brave was called before it became Brave. So I think it maybe it was already being called Brave, but it was kind of around the time of this Scotland trip. But um, our friend Lonnie Crump got up and said, "Hey, 
why don't you all go around this small group and share some things that seem impossible from where you're sitting right now? Mm -hmm. And so we all went around and it was a little vulnerable, um, but we all shared a couple things because a lot of times those things that feel impossible are the things that are really deep inside your heart. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, am I going to say this out loud? Mm -hmm. So I just said, you know what? It actually feels just with where I am right now in my life and with just the stage and just the opportunities that don't seem to be around, it actually feels impossible for any of my songs to be heard by anyone. Um, and I remember I kind of had a frog in my throat, just getting, saying that out loud. And so then everyone just went in and prayed, um, for each person's impossibility. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Amber Hayes, hi, Amber, if you can see us, (laughs) she remembers that. And, um, Mm -hmm. she was just at church a few weeks ago when we, uh, did a brand new song, come O Lord Maranatha that Lindsay McCall just released. But um, it's just been amazing to see what God's done. So you you've written three songs that have been recorded by others and are mm-hmm. being sung. I felt fellowship songs. We have done we've done three or four at church. Mm-hmm. Another one's coming out in the winter. Yep. And then of course, Brave Worship. Right. We've yeah. done some things too. Yeah. Arise is coming mm-hmm. out. Um, and uh, and then you've wrote co-wrote with Rachel Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. On a single. Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty awesome what God has done. Not pretty awesome. Really awesome. <laughs> we overuse that word, but it's like yeah, super cool. It really is. Oh, so, so proud of you. Em. Yeah. Thank you. So fun to watch. Yeah. So God can, God is the God of impossible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love to hear that. All right. So <clears throat> Chrissy, we're talking about song mapping today mm-hmm. and we want to give everyone a shout out. Um, that's here. Hey, Hey guys, good to see you. Thanks for Hello. joining in everybody. We'll have time for Q and a. So if you have questions, go ahead and ask them in the Q and a area. I'll read them and then share them with the ladies here today. But, uh, Chrissy, you want to teach about song mapping and, uh, I mean, this is all over the writing worship book and the, in the mentorship and our course. So, uh, it's a core part of what you teach. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, uh, first step really in starting to just really translate what's in your head to getting things out, getting it on paper. Um, and it's really, it's a visual way to make a template of your song before you dive in and actually try putting it together. And this is the way that I, uh, used to start all my songs at one point. So I learned this from Gloria Gaither, who was my songwriting teacher. Um, at Anderson university. I loved that class. And this is one of the greatest takeaways I had, um, from that class. So, so basically it's brainstorming. It's, it's just getting all your ideas out on paper. Um, but you'll want to start in the center of your paper with your main idea. So that could be a word that could be a phrase that could be a thought if you're not sure yet. Um, but the heart of your song should be in the center of your paper. I'm showing people the screenshot of, um, praise the Lord in the center. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, and then, uh, once you have that centerpiece, um, that, you know, that you want to work towards, um, then you start asking yourself some questions about things related to that middle center idea. So in this case, if it's praise the Lord, you would ask yourself things like, um, how can we praise the Lord? Ask some questions. Um, what does it look like to praise the Lord? Ask a lot of questions. And as you're 
answering those questions, write those things down, just sort of anywhere. Like the first draft might not be your final draft. So the first one is a little more messy. Um, and I kind of like, I can, I kind of like seeing it all spelled out without having any, uh, form or any structure first. That's just how I like to work. So I'll just throw everything on there. Answer your questions. The next thing is, um, ask some adjectives or what are some things that describe, uh, praising the Lord. So that would be another way. So it might be like forever. Maybe we praise the Lord forever, or, uh, maybe we praise the Lord as every tribe and tongue and nation. Maybe those are, you know, some other thoughts that would come to mind in that category. So, uh, just asking what, how we can describe it. What are the adjectives or ways to describe praise the Lord. And then the next thing that I ask, um, myself is what pictures or images come to mind, uh, when we think of praise the Lord. So we might think of angels or, um, we might think of the church, or we might think of, uh, you know, many things, many pictures come to mind. It might, might be all creation. Um, so those are all ways that we could verbalize through image, what that looks like. And those are ways that we can express that through song. And then once you have all of those things, um, then you'll sort of break it down into noticing patterns, um, among everything that you've written down. So, uh, what I mean by this is, uh, for verses specifically, you're looking for the, these following things. You're looking for reasons, feelings, explanations, lists, and details. So if you see those things, um, you know, notice, oh, that could be a verse right there. And then, <clears throat> then you want to group those things together. And that gives you a basis to work from for either one verse or two verses. You might have two already on your paper. Um, chorus, of course, is your big idea, the title, the why, where, who, or what answer to the verses. So whatever's going on in your verses, your chorus needs to answer and, um, kind of give that heart piece. It gives sort of a conclusion. If you were writing uh, a paper, it might be that summary, uh, paragraph at the very bottom of your paper. That would be your chorus. Um, bridge is why else with a twist. And ideally when you circle back after that second chorus and you come back around, uh, after that. So this is really the second time or, or actually, yeah, I'm sorry. When you circle back around, you want it to mean something different that, that chorus after you come through the bridge. So the bridge is almost a filter that gives you a new perspective, um, that when you hit that chorus after the bridge, so it actually would be the third time that you hear the chorus in the song, it would have a completely different meaning. And if you can do that, oh man, that is, that is a, I don't know. It just feels good to the heart. Um, sometimes we have a pre-chorus in there and that's a connecting piece and that adds smoothness either lyrically or musically between the verse and the chorus. So sometimes it'll feel a little clunky, like thematically, like, oh, this feels kind of weird jumping from, you know, this topic to this topic. How can we smooth that transition? So we'll use a pre-chorus. Um, so that's something to look for in what you have on your song map also, um, and then of course, sometimes you need it musically later, but that's kind of an overview of, uh, what a song map is, what the pieces are that you want to be looking for questions to ask yourself to get all the content, all the information out. 
And ultimately, if you do this work ahead of time, um, it's something that people won't notice, but, uh, but that's exactly what you want. You want them to not have any distractions, um, and just to feel, you know, to be able to enjoy the song with nothing standing out, nothing sticking out and a well-structured song will actually do that, but you have to work at it, um, you know, behind the scenes in order to present it that way. Well, that's really awesome, Han. Um, really great uh, description of uh, what a song map is and how it's structured. And in our live that we do when we go into churches um, to help uh, build and develop that songwriting culture, uh, Emily came in, and uh, this is when the coming in hot part came happened. <laughs> Uh, and, and, uh, Emily, you want to share about a specific, you want to break down like reverse engineer. Yeah. Blessed be your name. Let's do it. Yeah. So I teach a mentorship group and, uh, (laughs) sorry, it's like that time of year, you know, um, but, uh, I teach a mentorship group and I like to go backwards from a well-known song when talking about song mapping so that, um, just to kind of make it more clear how some of these great writers have done that. Yeah. So blessed be the name of the Lord is about to come in hot. Okay. Are we ready to start it? <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. All right. And I'll pause it periodically throughout the song okay. to kind of stop and you can explain. There's kind of a long intro guys. So just let it, let it wash over you. Let the, let this sit there in the awkwardness for just a minute. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I could have played the tree 63 version. Which was a huge pop, like Christian oh, pop okay. hit, I remember. We gotta go with Matt. We gotta yeah. go with Matt. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. right there so what i love what i love about this song is it's so easy to see how they crafted this i think matt and his wife beth wrote this together Mm -hmm. um but when i was song mapping this it was really clear to see that the first half of the verse is talking about times of plenty and so they kick it off and they're talking about times of plenty but there's two examples given so like when chrissy talks about Verses having reasons, feeling explanations, list details, examples. Um, they did that. So, first of all, times of plenty, the two examples given were in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. And of course, as word nerds, we love the use of metaphor and all that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he flips it in the second half of that verse and talks about times of lack. Um, and this actually adds some weightiness to, to the song. You, as the, as the singer of the song, you go, oh, you're right. Even in times of lack. And then, um, so I just did those bubbles off of that. When I walk through the wilderness and I'm found in the desert place, mm-hmm. blessed be your name still Lord. And so then, um, we'll play the pre-chorus and I'll talk about that a little bit. Can I say something oh, super yeah. quick? Um, I love also the fact that it's, it's sort of that snowball effect. So mm-hmm. if you've been through the mentorship, uh, or in a live course, you know what that means, but it's always progressing. So, um, they don't start with the times of lack. 
that's a hard thing to start with. Mm -hmm. They start with the plentiful and then they move towards almost the deeper things of the heart. I just wanted to mention Right. Because we typically think of blessings as kind of only being in the category of those good plentiful things, but sometimes there's that disguised blessing Mm -hmm. in the time of lack. So All right, so now we play the pre-course. Every blessing you pour out all turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say. Bless- all right, so this this is a very useful pre-chorus because like Chrissy talked about, pre-choruses kind of add a smoothing connecting piece. Um, and they're not necessary in every single song, but in this case, it's really helpful to have that because it, if it had just ended on when I'm found in the desert place that I walk through the wilderness, blessed be the name, even musically, mm-hmm. it needed a little bit of a transition there to summarize what we've just, what we've just thought about. Um, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And even in the darkness, Lord, still I'll say. And so the way that I categorized that was my response in all things Hmm. would be the pre-chorus, kind of that, how would I summarize what we're saying there? My response in all things. And even in blessing, I'll turn it back to praise. Hmm. Even in darkness, still I'll say. And then actually that leads you right into that summary of the chorus. So let's have a listen to the chorus. So that's a summary and it's actually pretty simple mm-hmm. um, because he's said a lot already in the verses and in the pre-chorus. And so that's kind of a, what are we all pointing to with those verses in that pre-chorus? Oh, that the name of the Lord is to be blessed. Mm-hmm. So we'll go. Okay. And I think also it's awesome. Just the contrast of like you were saying, if you have a lot of content in your verses, you want your chorus to be simple. You don't want the whole thing to be full of content. Mm -hmm. So that contrast is really important. And one of our most important tools as songwriters. All right. So we'll go to verse two now. Right there, um, it's kind of following the same structure as above. You know, you've got those two different sections. Um, The first section, I heard him talking about the easy good times. Um, For example, the sun shining down on me, the world when the world's all as it should be. And actually that parallels to the first verse, Mm -hmm. like Chrissy said, where you're talking about that kind of abundance, things are going well. And then again, it gets, it gets flipped um, to show the contrast, because we all know that though we like the sun shining down days, that's not what all of life is like, obviously. Mm -hmm. So 
um, this song is just very real and that it flips it now mm-hmm. to the difficult times. And actually there's even more weight in this verse, um, kind of like the snowball. Mm-hmm. He says, um, uh, in the difficult times on the road marked with suffering. So now even the word suffering has been introduced mm-hmm. and though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. And, and that actually, those words can be hard to sing, um, because sometimes we don't like to think about the suffering or the pain that's in the offering. But if you're in a season or a place, I can remember a time in my life, probably around when this song came out that I, I was going through a time where there felt like the Lord was asking me to give something to him and it felt painful. But I remember this song encouraging me, like, even though there's pain in the offering, like I can still bless your name. And so then he goes back into the pre-chorus again. I want to just add two really quick. Um, when, when you say something like that is just as important as what you're saying, the timing of Mm -hmm. where you put something like that. So you can say that at the end of the second verse, because you've already prepared hearts to receive that lyric. Mm -hmm. If you do that first, that would not work. Yeah, it so would just be where hard. you place yeah. it is so important. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll go. So do you hear the chorus again? And then um, this bridge. Okay, so a lot of us know this song. This bridge, um, this is a, a really good why else with a twist example as well. Because um, is as you saw in my pre-chorus, I summarized it as my response in all things. Mm-hmm. This one even gives another shade to that. It's not just my response, but my decision. Um, my decision to worship even when, because there's that element of choice, like, mm-hmm. Not always is it just a natural response to worship God, especially when we're going through hard times. But I love how there's just that even new shade of meaning and the way that it's you give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, Mm -hmm. blessed be your name. So let's listen to that real quick. right out of scripture, um, from the book of Job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, so he's quoting scripture there, but he's, it's also following the format of the song. Like you give these blessings and you take away too, which mm-hmm. is a hard one to swallow sometimes, but think about it. If you're in a season where the Lord is stripping some things away from mm-hmm. your life, how encouraging to be able to choose have a song that helps you choose to bless his name, even in that. And so um, anyway, that bridge is just a perfect Mm. slight change. It's not quite the same as the Mm pre-chorus. It's a little different and it actually makes, um, it actually makes your heart even more aware of your choice to 
to praise God mm-hmm. um, and put it all, put it all there, all on the altar, the blessing, mm-hmm. the hardship and just bless his name. It becomes a surrender almost moment. Mm-hmm. It changes mm-hmm. surrender plus a declaration at the same time. And it wasn't quite at that level before when you sang right. it on chorus one or chorus two, totally new level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's a really, I mean, when you first presented that I, I was, it, it finally clicked with me, you know, and this song is so well-crafted. You grow in your appreciation for the songwriter, you know, as well. It's no, it's no wonder why Matt Redman has, has, written and and sung some of the and led some of the most impactful worship songs mm-hmm. of our generation so mm-hmm. uh pretty uh pretty well crafted very well crafted song yes so. yeah you can tell like the spirit breathed on the song but he also took time he and beth took time to think through i'm sure i'm sure there was stuff going on in their lives in their house you know the dishwasher's running i don't know when they wrote this <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it's a married couple, you know, there's like laundry, but they're probably sitting there going, what if we said this? What if we said Mm -hmm. that? Um, and so, yeah, it, it's really neat when the spirit of God breathes on a song. And then there's also just, it follows a great structure and is easy to understand and sing the message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Hey, thank you, Emily, for, for leading this and Chrissy for uh, sharing all of this. This is so cool. So we're going to give you one more shot, uh, viewer of this, uh, of this uh, song map, uh, incorporate song mapping into your songwriting. It's uh, it's really really powerful. Anything you want to say specifically about song song mapping, to uh, to wrap this up? Um, I just think it's really important, especially if you're new to songwriting and you're still trying to figure it out a little bit. Um, I would just encourage you to try it, and uh, even if it doesn't make perfect sense, obviously this example does, and it's exact. Uh, yours won't be that perfect when you start and it's okay. Um, but it's just, it's just a great way for you to explore what it looks like to structure and craft in a beautiful orderly way. So it's Mm -hmm. an important part of songwriting. I just encourage you to try. Okay. I'm just checking to see if there are any, uh, uh, questions or comments from, uh, the community in Facebook. Um, we're a little bit delayed on this uh, in there, but I'm not seeing any specific comments or mm-hmm. questions. So I think uh, you guys really laid this out super, super well. The one last thing I would say too is watch and observe other songs. Mm-hmm. So what you learned from Emily today, um, you know, if you're trying to figure this out, pull apart another song like she did today. And that is such an amazing way to learn observing, looking at what other songs do. That's um, just as helpful as trying to start on your own. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we do have actually a couple of questions just popped in. Uh, so Ahmad asks, will this be uh, replayed on the Facebook group? Yes, it is currently being played on the Facebook group and on our page writing worship community. So you'll find that there and you'll be able to watch that. Um, Karina had a question. Uh, can we talk about pre-choruses? Do you have guidelines for when to use one and when not? That's a good question. I think, I mean, in all honesty, it depends on two things and we sort of touched on it earlier, but one is lyrically, um, is it a smooth transition between what you're saying in the verse and what you're saying in the chorus? And if it feels like it's not totally flowing, like 
a way that a thought would naturally flow or a way a conversation would naturally flow, then I would add, um, that connecting piece just to smoothen that transition. The other reason you would do that, um, is when like musically it's not flowing well. And, and really a lot of the times this is all by feel you Mm -hmm. learn it by feel and there's not really a, a, you know, tried and true way to describe it. Um, but feel it, see how it feels. If it feels awkward, if you're landing on a a certain chord and it doesn't feel good going into the chorus, then add another connecting piece musically. Mm -hmm. Um, or sometimes you need a little breather. If you've done a ton of content like this song did in the verse, you might need a little breather before you hit that big chorus again. Um, so that's another thing to just keep an eye on just really the flow of how the flow feels. Any other thoughts? Yeah. I think usually it's just a sense. Yeah. Right. When I've added pre-choruses, it's like, I'm sensing that we need to kind of make way for the chorus so that it's not like a whiplash type moment, either musically, like she said, or lyrically. But I don't typically go to sit down and write a song and always think I'm going to include a pre-chorus or think about a pre-chorus. I only think about it when we need it, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. It's time for one of these. Pull it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I have a surprise guest. Matt Redman is here to answer that exact question. <laughs> Matt, uh, oh, we're having te- technical difficulties. <laughs> we, we can't. I, sorry, Matt. We'll, we'll have to get you another time. Okay. No, that's great. Okay. Um, that is really good. I wish we could ask him right Wouldn't now. You know, it would be That'd so be fun. That, where were you guys writing this? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yes. The link is in the Facebook group. It's writing worship community. If you need to find that, um, Anna says, uh, thanks so much. Love the teaching. So important to be conscientious and biblical in our writing. Anna from Dublin. Oh, hi, Anna. Mm-hmm. Hey. Uh, Anna also says a lot of current worship songs follow this shape, which is great. Do you think there is still space for very simple choruses? I love you, Lord be glorified. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And we've even seen, I feel like, um, the, I don't know, maybe the boundaries are opening more with some groups that we've heard lately, like, I don't know, Maverick city where they're starting to be like, Hey, let's add another sort of a extra chorus thing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think you'll know if it's the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. I think almost in this culture right now, it's almost an anything goes, try it and see what happens. It is. Yeah. Things are in first person things, yeah. are, you know, we, right. versus I, it doesn't matter. It's, it's it doesn't all changed seem... in this season. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Of course. I think, but good. I prefer in this crazy wild busy world we live in to have a simple chorus to hold on to like blessed be your name mm-hmm. to just be able to sing that no matter what you give and mm-hmm. take away you give and take away no matter what it's just so simple and pure i love that all right we're getting more questions pouring in do you have time to ask to answer some more yeah. questions yeah we do we okay do. yeah all right laura uh says this i'm working on a hymn with a group of co-writers tonight hymn structure doesn't allow us uh doesn't allow as much time to develop ideas in each verse basically four lines. Do you think it's possible to cover two thoughts in one verse? Our idea is about how awesome God is, but also the intimate relationship. So I guess the big versus the the small intimate. Do you think we are aiming for too much? It's actually from Zephaniah, Zephaniah three. He sings over me. 
I think if you're using it as a listing method, I think it's okay. I mean, that's what he did here, right? He used two things mm -hmm. in each couplet. I would just follow the same pattern if you do that uh, in another verse. So mm -hmm. um, if it's not working, then take it, take out the second piece, focus on the one thing and then use the second idea in the second verse. Yeah. You can use it either as a juxtaposition, like God is this and he's also this. But then if you're like, oh, we can't follow that the whole way down where it's a juxtaposition type of verse, then you could just take it out. Like you said, and start a new one. It's better to be consistent in the song. Yeah. It's better to follow the same structure the yeah. whole entire time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Nathan asked this. Do you have any tips for writing simpler songs of us musicians have a tendency to write complex melodies or lots of words? How do you how do you make something simple enough for a congregation? I think part of that is just keep writing consistently. Um, over time, I think it gets simpler. That's That was my experience. Do you remember that, Eric? When I first started writing, it was like really complicated lines and melodies. Yeah, it seems like uh, it does. It, th there's less of a... Um, your ego gets out of the way, right? It seems like there's less of a need to prove yourself and more of a need to serve. Yeah. It sort of comes out of a heart of serving and thinking about the congregation and then working, hearing your songs back in a congregational setting, you start to realize, oh, simpler would have been better here. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think also psalming, so just singing the Psalms out loud every day, which a lot of us in our community do that, um, that teaches you the language of worship and it teaches you you know, some things that I, I didn't notice before, as far as the refrains and, um, the voicing and those kind of things. So, um, sing the Psalms out loud. That'll also help you learn that skill. And I think too, placing, uh, knowing where to place that particular song, it may be a song that really came out of your heart and mind. And it's, it's actually meant to be shared in a living room or a coffee shop setting. And that's okay that it might have a lot yeah. of words and have interesting melodies, but then to go, Hey, I'm actually writing for a congregation and it's okay to write both different ways. Like if you do like to, if you have gifts of complex chords and all those things go for that. But then when you're thinking of the people in your church, you know, just imagine being where they are and putting words of truth in their mouth that are easy for them to sing. Yeah. And I almost think there's a way to hybrid that. Um, mm -hmm. by doing like a little bit of an interesting melody or a little bit of complicated lyric in the verse, but then mm -hmm. make it more simple in the chorus. You know, you can put hints of that in a congregation and they can handle it, but I don't think you can do the whole entire song like that, but I do still love songs that are complicated and, you know, lots of words and melodies and mm -hmm. there's a place like Emily said. Mm -hmm. Just might not be congregational, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Renee says this, when writing alone, how do you decide which ideas to stay disciplined to finish? Or is it a pattern of thought you can't get away from? The ones you can't forget about. If you can forget about it, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, part of it is learning to let some stuff go. And, um, but the, the ones that are circling in your head and heart, that keep rising back in the surface of your heart. Those are the ones you got to chase. Okay. Courtney says this, what's your opinion on bridges? Do you always need a bridge? 
this is hilarious. Cause if you would have asked me this 10 years ago, I would have said, no, I don't like bridges. <laughs> um, I went through a stage when I didn't like bridges. You remember that, Eric? Yeah. I you, didn't see the you, point. Yeah. You found it difficult. It was challenging. Right. I just didn't see the point. Um, but once I figured out the why else with a twist thing that really helped me with my perspective on bridges. Mm -hmm. And now I write a bridge every time. Um, it's an opportunity to see your chorus in a different way. So I would always take the opportunity. That's really good. Um, if you don't like it, you don't have to use it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Gary says this, should we try to keep our mind maps small to medium or is it okay to go large? This is Gary from Scotland. Hi, Gary. All right. Yes. You got a Scotty on here. Mm -hmm. um, go as large as your mind goes. You know, um, mm -hmm. I think there's a certain point when you got to sort of narrow it down, you know, so it might make it more difficult if you have more things to start with. But, you know, you might find, oh, actually, I see this, this line of thinking here could be a second song. And you could move it over to a second song map. I've done that before. Um, but go as big as, as you feel like is necessary for you to process. That might be different for different people. Um, and but, everybody writes them out differently. My husband on this last song we wrote, the Come O Lord Maranatha song, he, he is a researcher. So mm -hmm. he had probably, you know, if you're watching this, Caleb, don't be embarrassed that I'm revealing this about you, but he probably had two pages of notes and footnotes with biblical references of all kind, like every biblical reference that went with that line. So if you break down the song, that's Caleb has where it came from in scripture. And so that's how he thinks. And he's got verse one is, you know, this verse two is this. And mm -hmm. then, um, that helps him when he's writing to be able to see it all out there. I'm more like this, like I'll take that stuff, all those pages and I'll go, okay, well, how do we group it into that topic kind of yeah. big picture? Um, but like, if you're the type that wants footnotes and stuff, go for it. Or some people like to list, um, and group it different ways, scratch mm -hmm. things out. Mm -hmm. So but it is great to have some way that resonates with you to organize your thoughts to make the best yeah. song possible. Yeah. I love that. All right. We only have time for uh, two more questions. Um, and the first question is Beverly says, I recently wrote a song, which I was told was simple is simple. Bad. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think simple is good. Um, you want it to still be interesting. You know, there's an element where you still want it to be engaging for the congregation. Um, so as long as it has that engaging and that interesting, um, part of, uh, part of it also woven inside of it, then I think simple is awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, would the same rules apply to a post chorus as a pre I've never heard of a post chorus is post oh, like a little tag like kind a of tag. a thing. <clears throat> um, oh, like I believe yeah. in you. Like I believe in yeah. you. God, I believe. I think sometimes well, that's actually a pre, is that a pre-chorus? No, no, that's, that's post. at the end of the, it's a post. that's at the end yeah. of the chorus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought I was like, wait a minute. Did I just butcher your, your song? <laughs> no, you did it. <laughs> you did not. No I know butchering. the song. I promise. <laughs> Oh, oh well, excuse me. No, it's a post chorus. 
No. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. I think post chorus feels like you have one more thing to say. It almost feels like the afterthought almost And this. Yeah. yeah. Or, or you liked singing, um, you liked singing that last line of the chorus so much that you did it. I mean, it's kind of like a tag, but yeah, maybe you threw one other thought in there. Right. Yeah. If there's, I mean, I think it's, yeah. If there's one more thing left to say, that's the spot. Yeah. It just feels like, or, you know, there have been times where we couldn't decide which one was the chorus and we ended up doing, okay, this one's the main chorus. And then we're just going to do this one sort of as a post chorus after the bridge, you know, bridge chorus. And then this other piece that mm-hmm. we couldn't let go of that we feel like has something left to say. Um, so yeah, I by think- the way, that's a real thing too. Sometimes you hear the, you hear it as a chorus, but a third party comes in and they go, right. ah, that's actually an amazing bridge. And then right. it kind of blows your mind. Cause you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I heard that. But if you're yeah. open to that, then you might even get a, a more powerful song. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Uh, what are your guys' songwriter personalities real quick? My first one's hearing prophetic and my second one is content. Mine's melody is my first and then concept content tied below that. Got it. Awesome. Um, last thing, how do you stay consistent in writing and writing more often? Chrissy? I do my psalming every day, first of all. Um, and writing more often. Well, and that's just singing the Psalms, right? Yes. Singing the Psalms every day. I work on some of my own songs and then, uh, you and I actually right now are booking my co-writes. So we'll sit down and do that every couple weeks, just review and look at what we need to sort of, uh, look forward to in the future as far as connecting. And, um, you send out, you help me send out emails, which is super helpful. But in the past, I had a publisher doing that for several years. And so, um, yeah, so we're in a transitional time, but we're still actively putting dates on the calendar. And if I have dates on the calendar, that gets me out writing. So that's important to me, having dates on the calendar. Having something to look forward to. Yep. Yeah. And if you're at I have three little kids and it's kind of a crazier, like I have a hard time finding that poignant moment like I used to with like a candle and the perfect (laughs) heat of tea and- yeah. Now I write, I write a lot on the go, like, oh, it's quiet in the car for 20 minutes. I don't have a guitar or a piano, but I'll just sing out some melodies yeah. to Jesus right now. And then maybe some of those catch and I'll, then I'll go back to the piano later. But like you said, it's also good to have with co-writing, get that on the calendar. Cause then yeah. you, you have to show up, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Well, this is super, super amazing. Thank you so much, Chrissy and Emily. You guys uh, rock. Uh, and just a, a reminder, um, Writing Worship is uh, here for you to, to um, resource you in writing your, your worship songs and uh, helping you to grow and, and write more heartfelt and more impactful songs of worship for the church. We love the church. We want to see... Uh, songwriting cultures and creatives flourish in the, in the body of Christ. And, and that's uh, one of our great motivators. So if you want to learn more, go to writingworship.co. You can learn everything you want to learn about uh, us and, uh, and I guess the movement of writing worship, the community, et cetera, join in and connect with us. All right. Well, that is it. Uh, you want to give a final wave? Yeah. 
uh, for everybody here. We'll see y'all later, guys. Right, I should guys. have music for us while we're coming out, but I'm not I quick enough. One of those <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, go ahead and push a button, Chrissy. Emily, you pick one. Pick okay, a button. Okay. Whoa. That's and goodbye music. Bye. <laughs> for now, see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. To get connected to our community of female songwriters and creatives, visit braveworship.com. And if you'd like some more information about our resources for Christian songwriters, visit writingworship.co. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus, You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.